Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So this morning, I want to get right, right into it. I've um, got the privilege of, of sharing the Word of God with you, and I'm excited. And uh, I just want you to um, strap in your seats. We're going to go for a bit of a ride through Scripture this morning. Um, this is the last series in the Unshakable series. Uh, the title of the message is The Unshakable Destiny. The Unshakable Destiny. And um, I am aiming to finish right on 11 o'clock. And that is what I'm going to be doing. Um, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, because there is a lot to get through. But I want you just to... Um, I, 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 um pretty sure you won't get bored. Um, so... It is, a, um, it is a fantastic, encouraging part of the series, The Unshakable Destiny of the Believer. It is, uh, it, I, I, I am sure, I am positive that you will come away from the message feeling encouraged, feeling um, equipped, and feeling um, uh, just, just, um, just strengthened in your faith. And um, if there is anybody in here who doesn't believe in Jesus, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, that you would just open up their hearts, Father God, to the gospel, and that only you can save, and you would draw them by your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's open up to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 13, and um, it reads, now it's up on the screen there if you don't have a Bible. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive and who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Uh, a bit of background as to the context of the scripture of the verse says there. Um, it is Paul who comes back to the church at Thessalonica, and he is, um, or sorry, he writes that he writes to the church, and he's writing because he's concerned. He's heard that that the people here at the church are feeling very, very discouraged because. They, um, they know Jesus is coming back a second time, right? They know that he's coming back, but people in the church have already died. And so, these, so the, the, the people were thinking, oh, well, they've died and what, they've missed out on the second coming of Jesus. What's going to happen to my, 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 my family who have died? And so they're very disheartened. They're in just absolute grief over, over the, the, the deceased in the church. And so Paul wants to write and encourage the church that they are not um, they are not that they are they are physically dead but Paul uses a language to say that it is it, it, it 
it is like a temporary state. It's a sleep. If you're a believer, in, if you believe in Christ, if you're a Christian, you're, you, you will die one day. We all will die one day. But we will live in eternity with Jesus Christ. We will be in heaven with Him. Amen? And so Paul is trying to explain, he's saying, you know what? Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And he writes, uh, it's almost like a pastoral heart just reaching out to his people. And although there's um, some complex um, um, theology there in, in terms of what's going to happen, and, you know, Jesus, when he comes down and the dead in Christ will raise up and then we'll be caught up, it can get quite um, confusing. It can get, get quite um, um, complex in our minds. But it's quite simple that he's reaching out in a pastoral heart. He wants to reach out and say, hey, be comforted. They are not without Christ. They are with him. We know he, he, he writes in, in, in uh, I think it's Corinthians, that um, to be absent from the body is synonymous to be present with the Lord, right? So we know that uh, Paul is teaching um, here of the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus. That's exciting. Hmm? You know, the, 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 the unshakable destiny is all, the whole idea is that the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God. The primary, the primary purpose of this passage is to comfort those believers who have lost believing ones. And the message is a passage of hope. It's a passage of hope. So we see that um, Christians die physically, but not eternally. Paul uses the word sleep to explain this reality. Um, as we've seen in, in, in Corinthians, I just mentioned that it's uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, however, Scripture also teaches that the believer, while in the presence of the Lord, will not receive his glorified body until the second coming of Jesus. So we are present with the Lord, but we don't have our glorified bodies. Who's got their glorified body today? No one has. We know that there is something that's going to happen. This is what happens when we believe. We believe we are totally, 100%, like we're saved in Christ. When we put our faith in Him, when we believe that He is risen and that He is the one that saves, we place our faith on Him, you know, we have eternal life, right? He came to save the sins of the, to, for the, He came to die for sinners, so that we would trust and put our hope in Him. We cannot get to God with our own merits. You can try, you can try, and you can try. You can try and do all the good things that you think you can do. You, can, you, you may be a good person. There are plenty of people in the world who don't know Christ who are good people. But good people do not make it to heaven. Let me say that again. Good people do not make it to heaven. Redeemed people do. Those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who have put their faith on Him. And that is the message of the gospel. It is that we put our, play, our faith on Him and trust Him and believe on Him. Amen? And uh, so, so we, got, um, we got here that, that, that the one day, we see right now, we live in the, what Jesus has already done and, the, what, and not yet... Period. The already and not yet period. Meaning, 
that Jesus has, what he's done on the cross is finished for us for who, 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 who are believers, right? And there is now a process of sanctification and a work of sanctification that happens, which is an outworking of the Holy Spirit in us. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can obey. So that is, that is in the life of a believer, is it, is it is growing in Christ? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a loving Him more, desiring to be in the Word more, and through and, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are sanctified. That is the now. One day, <laughs> we will be glorified in heaven with Christ. We will see Him as he is and and we will know him and, and we'll just it'll be something magnificent something awesome and we'll live with him in our glorified bodies so paul is encouraging the church the big idea this morning is this the unshakable life is destined for eternity with god so the details of how christ returns when he returns, we know he's coming. But the details are not as important as knowing that he will come. Amen? We, we, we can get so caught up on, oh, is it pre-tribulation? Is it post-tribulation? Well, you know what it is? He's coming. <laughs> Amen? And, and we can get all caught up in this to how he comes. We just need to know that he is coming. Okay? Of course, you can have your convictions as to what, and that's okay. That's fine. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. You, you know, it's, it's, revelation is difficult to interpret sometimes. But uh, anyway, um, so 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 here it is. So we understand that the return of Jesus will be personal and bodily, as we see in Thessalonians. It's going to be visible, as we see in Revelations. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, and, there, and, and those who pierce Him, and all tribes on the earth will wail in account of Him. Uh, he's going to come triumphant and glorious. Matthew 24 explains that when we, then He will appear in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. It's going to be sudden and unexpected. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. If you ever hear anyone say Jesus is coming in 2020, they're wrong. They're wrong. So many people have prophesied that you know, Jesus is coming in 2012. 2012 is past. They were wrong. Oh, I misread the code in the Bible. There's no code in the Bible. It's revealed by the Spirit. Amen? So, um, something that we should long for as believers. Romans says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We, we groan, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoptions of sons and the redemption of our bodies. You know why? Because one day we will be with Him in heaven and we will have our glorified bodies and that is the unshakable destiny of the believer. Amen? So, in light of that, I want to ask two questions. And the first question is this. 
if the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God, can I lose it? And number two, if the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God, how should I live in light of it? How should I live in light of it? It's thirsty up here. If the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God, can I lose it? Now, I've often um, asked myself this question, and I've heard people ask this question, and, and I'm sure you've all asked the same question, is that can we lose our salvation? And, and uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to just flip prescription. I want to see what does the Word of God say in regards to this question, and is it really the right question to ask? Um, so Rome, I want to, I want to, I want you to flip to Romans chapter eight with me, if you could. So just flick there, Romans chapter eight. Um, verse twenty-eight, and we're going to stay there for a little bit in Romans, because there's a little bit of verses here to go through. Um, so reading out the ESV. It says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. We love that verse. I love that verse. It is very comforting that, that we know that whatever happens, we know as the believer, God works out for good. According to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn, um, uh, firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. I want you to see a little bit of a chain that's happening here. That Paul is writing a very, very important part um, of the explanation of the life of a believer. He's, he's trying to explain what happens. So when he's talking about the predestined part and the, and the, and the, and the called part, that is like the beginning. Or even in the beginning, like, like before the foundation of the world, I called you, he says in other verses. So he's talking about the first part, the beginning part, before everything begins. He's calling us, right? And then he's talking about the fact that who he who calls you. Christ who calls you to His family. He's calling out the per Him, the Holy Spirit, because we are drawn by the Spirit, right? And um, He who calls, He also justifies. It's a big word, I know, but it simply means that you are made right with God. Okay? So Him who calls, He also, He says, He justifies you. And also the one who justifies you, He also says that He glorified you. So he's simply saying, and I find it interesting that he's even speaking it in terms of a past sense, a past tense, that the one who called, also justified, also glorified in Christ's mind, in Paul's mind, it's as if it's already been done. But let me tell you something. Let me, let me ask you this question. Are you glorified yet? I said, are you glorified yet? We're not glorified yet. We know it is to come. We know He's something to come. Jesus is coming on the second coming. That's when, we, that's when it's going to happen, according to Scripture. So we know that Him who called, He also justified, He also glorified. Now let's have a look at this. Romans, so let's just stay in Romans here. 
I want you to see this. I want you to see that there's a bit of a chain. I want you to get a grip of what's happening here. The point of the chain is this, is that certain, the point of the chain is certainty and confidence and assurance and security. The point is that God doesn't just offer salvation, He saves. Amen. He doesn't just offer salvation, He saves. When the believer is, is it, when, when someone puts their faith in Him, we are saved. He gives us eternal life. The glorification of God's call and justified people is absolutely certain. Did you, so, so if you have a look at, um, let's go to Romans. So it's the same place, Romans, but, but chap, uh, chapter 8, verse 38. Chapter 8, verse 38. It says this. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ in Jesus, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that verse. It is such a comforting, comforting verse. Um, we see this chain again. That, that, that Paul is sort of explaining in the same chapter, in the same sense, in the same context. Um, the NIV says it greatly, I love it, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, um, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I've, I've sort of singled them out here for you just so that you can see. No death, life, angels, demon, present, future, power, high, death, all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. Amen? Now, I have heard uh, people say that, well, you are not in there, as in I am not in there. Therefore, I can get myself outside of the plan of God. Can I ask, are you part of creation? All creation. We are part of creation. We are part of the list that is there. It goes on. It's almost like a, it goes in ascending order of, ex, of the way to explain. It's almost like you run out of words. You know when you try and explain something and you almost run out of words? It's almost like how do you express the truth of God in words sometimes? It's difficult, right? So he's almost just going, okay, well, you know what? All creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 27 says this my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand i want to illustrate here that this is a quite a definite verse of scripture it, it, it's quite a comforting uh, 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 verse of scripture that the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God that is destined for eternity with God we have an unshakable foundation which is Jesus Christ amen an unshakable foundation that no one can snatch us out of his hand now I know and I've had the same question many times it was many it was a probably a few years ago probably three years ago i think i was um challenged in my thinking 
um, I, do you remember Adam Ramsey? He, he came and he's ministered here a couple of times in a few years, few years ago. A great friend of mine, Cassandra's, and uh, he, 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 uh, we, had, we, we were having a meal, and boy, he can talk, and, I can, and, and we can talk for hours and hours about God. And, and uh, he, was, he challenged me. He said, he asked me the question um, about my eternal security and with God, and, and it just evolved into this conversation. So I asked him the question, how is it that we can lose our salvation? I read in Scripture that, 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 that these are such definite verses of Scripture that it says that we're safe in His hand. And uh, He challenged me and He said, it's probably the wrong, uh, wrong question to be asking. He said, uh, I remember this. He said, um, you probably shouldn't be asking, can you lose your salvation? Ask the question, can God lose a Christian? And it changed my complete thinking of everything because it makes sense in Scripture. Then I asked him this question. Why all the warnings in Scripture? And I bet you're asking the same. We see so many warnings completely over and over in Scripture. Do not fall away. Stay steadfast. Press on. You know, keep, you know, make, um, make sure you check yourself to see if you're in the faith. All these verses of Scripture, they cannot. We, we know one fact, and that, that is this. The Scripture never, ever contradicts itself. So we must be seeing something that doesn't match up. So what is it? And, 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 um, and, uh, and we, see, we see so much warning in Scripture, so much, um, how is it then, then that, that then we, we, we are so secure in Him? So my head's just trying to comprehend all this. Um, another question I asked was this. I know a good friend of mine who once used to preach, who once used to sing up on the platform, who used to worship God, who used to, he was, he was a sharp mind, but he no longer works, walks with God. In fact, he totally denies God. I think that is a very sad, sad thing. And I've based, sometimes what happens, we base our theology on experience rather than basing our theology on the Word. So what happens, we conclude that because that person fell away, that then Christians can fall away from the love of Christ. We've seen in Scripture quite clearly that that isn't the case. So how is it possible that this person, this friend of mine, has fallen away so far from God that he even calls, um, he even is a total non-Christian? We base on the wrong assumption of this, that we assume that everyone who calls themselves a Christian is actually a Christian. We, we, we assume that everyone who says, I am a Christian, is a Christian. And then what happens is people fall away and they, sl- and they go, go completely reject God. But we see from Scripture that, that there, are, there is one day when Christ comes, when we're talking about the end times, Christ comes and He will reveal the wheat and the tares they grow up together it is it is quite a scary thing to think that the wheat and the tares grow up together in the church the false and the true believer grow up together in the church so there's the false and the true christian in the church worldwide bodily and one day 
the false will be separated from the true. And, and, and we know that a Christian is a new creation. A Christian cannot be unnewly created. A Christian is marked by God and sealed by the Spirit. A Christian is redeemed. Redeemed refers to a purchase being made by Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ cannot lose his purchase. A Christian is promised eternal life in John 3.16, as we heard so wonderfully this morning. Eternal life means eternal. A Christian is guaranteed glorification, as we've seen in Romans 8, that he who be, he, he, he started, that he called, he justified, he also glorified. It is a, def, a def, definite scripture, and it's very clear. The Bible explains that anyone who departs from the faith is simply demonstrating that he was never truly born again, regenerated in their hearts. It is a demonstration of, of a love for the world that although they were interested in religion per se, they were interested in heaven who isn't, they were interested in the things and the, the things of God, but weren't truly changed, weren't truly regenerated and born again in their hearts. That is the person who totally drifts to the point where they totally fall away. First John 2 says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might become plain that, we were not, that they were not of us. The Bible declares that a true Christian will not live in a state of continual unrepentant sin. 1 John 3, 6 says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Let me ask you this question. Do you sin? The answer is yes, because I sin. It is the continual, habitual sin that we continue to do, continue to do unrepentantly. We don't repent. So it says here, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has neither seen him or known him the person who keeps continually sinning and doesn't really care doesn't repent has no heart of repent mind change of mind of repentance from the sin that he is committing that person is continually and habitually in sin has neither seen him nor heard him never ne like it's never happened in their hearts so, so we see continually. So the false one day will be revealed. In Matthew 7, 22 says this, that one day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Did not mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That is an example. I never, not that I once knew you, but you fell away. I never knew you. You were never part of my flock. You came and you did mighty wonders in my name. This proves that there are healing ministers. There are great preachers. There are mighty workers of miracles that may be illegitimate. May be illegitimate. We must stay glued to the word right and this is where it just gets even better and i'm wrapping it up what about obedience 
you might be asking. What about obedience? Isn't that the necessity of obedience? Yes. The security of a believer's salvation is never taught in the Bible that obedience is not necessary. It's absolutely necessary, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, and here's another question. If true Christians don't ever fall away, then why all the warnings of the Bible, as I mentioned before? This is, I want to make this very super clear, super clear. And this is, it, this is important. The answer is very simple. God's way to keep us from falling is by enticing us with promises and sobering us with warnings. The point of the promises is to engage our affections for the eternal glory of God. The point of the warnings is to disengage our affections from the perishing glory of this world. God uses the warnings to keep us in Him. So when he says, uh, when he says, hold, press on, take courage, you know, gird yourself up, keep on, he means it. And you and I must take heed because it's the warnings of Scripture and the obedience. It's the warnings of Scripture that keeps us in him. He does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I know and you know, that we cannot keep anything that God says in our own strength. The Old Testament showed, it proved to be true. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do what God demands of us. Amen? In this way, the warnings of Scripture, the scripture serve us to keep us from ever falling away. On the other hand, the hypocrite in the church, the false believer in the church, the pretenders, the people who are not really spiritual, um, um, spiritually connected with Him, do not tremble at the Word. They may even use the promises of God to justify their indifference, but that is a sign that they are in great danger and may not really truly be saved. The warnings of Scripture keep the believer. The warnings of Scripture are a fearful thing for the unbeliever and hopefully bring them to salvation to salvation Jeremiah 32 says this I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put my fear in their hearts that they may not turn from me God has put his fear in your heart so that you will never turn from him He's put it in your heart. If you're a true Christian, Philippians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about salvation. He who gave you salvation, who began a good work, will bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. I want to want you to understand this as well. God's children, those in Christ, must conquer and will conquer. Must obey and will obey. We must understand something about this, about God. Our responsibility and His sovereignty go work in hand in hand. It's not that God's sovereignty over my responsibility 
It doesn't negate my responsibility as a Christian. It works hand in hand. We will, we must obey and we will obey. It is Him who completes it in us because we have the Holy Spirit in us working to make us holy. Amen? So the message for us is this. Never, 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 ever, ever be flippant about your perseverance. God uses real warnings to keep us from falling. We are safe, but we are not careless. It is ridiculous when people say that, yes, it's once saved, always saved, and therefore I can go and do whatever I want, and I can just live my life however I want. That is ridiculous. Totally. Scripture never teaches that. In fact, it teaches that if you do live like that, you're not really a Christian. (laughs) The one who is saved perseveres to the end, and we can be assured that he who began in the first place will see it to completion. He who began in you a good work will never let you go. No one can get plucked out of his hand. It is the sovereignty of God that keeps us. It is our, it is our responsibility to obey, but the power of the Holy Spirit that will actually make it happen because we can't obey on our own. We can't. The same God who saved you is the same God who keeps you. Last verse of Scripture. Two more. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. So the last question was this. If the unshakable life is destined for eternity to God, how should I live in light of it? It's just very simple. If I can get the band up. It's simply this. You live in confidence, perseverance, be prepared, eternal-minded, fruitful, hopeful. Hopeful in the sense of this. Holy Spirit is the one who does the work inside of the believer. We, the unshakable life is destined for eternity with God. We are to encourage one another with these words that one day Jesus is coming back. That one day Jesus is coming for his church. Right? And I will close with this verse of scripture in Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever and ever. Amen. He's able to keep you from falling. So what's the big idea? The unshakable life is destined for eternity with God. Unshakable means unshakable. Amen? Unshakable means unshakable. And I know that if, if there was anyone in here who was hearing the fact that God can begin and God will end it. God will begin the good work and He will complete it. You can be assured if you place your faith on God, truly allow the Word to change you on the inside. You can rest assured that God is eternal. You can rest assured that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. You can rest assured that God is God. 
You can rest assured that God is God. You can rest assured that God will keep you to the end. Yes, we must obey. And you know what? The must is almost like a, I will and I want to obey. Because when God changes your heart, it's a, it's a want, not a have to. It's not a legalistic thing. It's, oh God, I, want, I love you. I want to please you. And you know what? There is absolute joy in that. We are totally satisfied when we obey Him. We are totally home. Stand with me. The gospel is so beautiful that God would send His Son and whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. See, God is, <laughs> yes, He's perfect. We're the ones that have the sin. We sinned and rebelled against Him. But Jesus Christ came to save no longer have to try no longer have to be religious and tick off your boxes he simply says put your faith on me get rid of that self-righteous heart you know what he says in the Old Testament in Ezekiel he takes the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh so that we will obey him so that we will walk with him Amen. And to the Christian, can I, can I just plead with you? It is not about a flippant life because, oh, well, I've got eternal life. <laughs> that is ridiculous. The warnings keep us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And God, if there's anyone in here, God, that doesn't know you, may, Father God, may they respond in faith. May they respond in faith. God for us may we continue in obedience knowing that it is absolute joy to obey and may we also walk away knowing that you are God you're eternal and no one can pluck us out of your hand and for us it's an unshakable destiny thank you Father God you have called us you have justified us and you've glorified us if there's anyone in this place who doesn't know Jesus, I want you to respond simply by lifting up your hand. I will say, I will come to you and I will chat to you about the awesomeness of Jesus. Is there anyone in here at all? Can you respond? I am pleading with you to respond to the gospel of truth. There is nothing outside of this that is true. There's only one truth and that is the gospel. Is there anyone in this place who wants to now walk with Christ? There are so many things in this world who, that is so uncertain. Christianity is the only thing that is certain. Thank you, Jesus.